Hi, this is Brad Greenquist. Uh, I played Victor Pascal in the original Pet Cemetery, and you are listening to Without Your Head. Station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by Juan Pablo Arias Munoz, director of the History of Monsters, which will be playing at the AFI Fest November 16th next week. It's very cool to have you here. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Yeah. So, for people who um, aren't aware yet, can you give them an idea of what History of Monsters is? Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, The History of Monsters is a short film. Uh, it's a psychological thriller. Uh, and it's the story of uh, Evelyn, a woman who lives isolated in a cabin in the woods. Uh, and she's haunted by these, these creatures, these monsters, uh, every night. So, the story starts when she finds a dying man in the forest and decides to help him. Uh, and because she's really unable to trust him, because she doesn't know who he is, uh... She ties him up inside the house, but she starts conflicting between her desires for intimacy and her safety, basically. So that's that's the whole movie in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Where, where did the idea come from? Well, this is a, a feature um, a concept that I've been developing okay. with a with a writer friend from back in back in Chile. His name is Ignacio, and it's basically. Uh, a reimagination of what it would be in a post-apocalyptic world, uh, but not really concentrating on, we didn't want to concentrate on the post-apocalyptic aspect of it, but what would happen to the actual nature of the relationships, you know? Mm -hmm. So whenever we would start talking about that, we would get excited about a post-apocalyptic movie that wasn't about the apocalypse, but was about what would happen to these people. And, as soon as we started talking about uh, the the topics and the characters, and we started digging in through uh, through what what their experience would be, or in, in in this case, what Evelyn's experience would be, we realized that uh, the movie was about trust. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how it all started. Uh, also, the concept of the monsters is something I've been working on since previous work. I have another another film called Hombre that features a similar white uh, monster. And all these films are tied around the the topic of sexuality and and gender dynamics. So we thought it would be interesting to kind of have that same concept throughout different films. Mm -hmm. What is that about, uh, like, the combination of um, of being afraid, of fear, horror, and... and, uh and sexuality what were sexual desires like well, what about that interests you 
Well, I think those are those are two those are two aspects of the human nature that we don't uh, really are beyond our control. You know mm-hmm. that they 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 all talk directly to our subconscious. They all reveal directly our our most private hidden self. You know, and I think horror is a great tool to communicate to the audience things that are 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 very difficult to to convey through reason or through logic. But through, with horror, you communicate these ideas directly to the audience's um, to the audience's uh, subconscious, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and sexuality, I think it, it works in a similar way. You know, it's 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 part of who we are, but it's hardly controlled. You know, it's hardly it it hardly goes through logic. Uh, the the empowerment of the sexuality, like we don't understand where it comes from, but it's just part of who we are. So I think there's there's a deep connection between those two elements because they they, ex, they exist in a world that is, doesn't respond to logic, mm-hmm. and that's I think down there in that level of the uh, of the human of the human experience that where that's where these these two elements are are tied up together. Yeah, it's two the primal urges of, of mankind uh, to procreate and, and survival. And, uh, you know, you deal with that in yeah, the history exactly. monsters. Yeah, exactly. Those are two, those are two primal, uh, needs, right. And they, they don't really respond to, to logic. Like you, you might want to be able to think, uh, as I put myself in the, in the, in the shoes of these characters, mm-hmm. you might want to be able to, to, to think your way out of these conflicts, but it's really, it's impossible because you're always going to be betrayed by these two primal urges that you don't really get to control. So it's mm-hmm. interesting for me in the film, it's interesting to reveal the characters in their, in their most private selves, even in the, in the places that they don't know themselves that they have, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting. You said that, um, you know, you hope to make uh, the, this into a feature because there's a little bit of dialogue that gives like a, a, a back, a little bit of a backstory. So, you know, there's a history here, you know, you don't necessarily know where the monsters come from or anything or even what they are, but you know that there was a time they all came here and so which gave it a feeling that, you know, this is a bigger story. Right. And I mean I think it would be really interesting to uh to explore that in a in a longer version, right? Where you have a little bit more space mm-hmm. to introduce more characters, to introduce a little bit more self, uh subplots, to explain a little bit more how this world came to be or or what's it like to to live in it, uh, I think there's um, there's also so much more to say about the uh, about Evelyn's experience with trust. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, I definitely I don't know how it feels when you watch it, but definitely when I make it, I uh, I'm missing time to say more. I'm missing time. Like I want to keep exploring that world. You know. Yeah, yeah, and like you said about Evelyn, um, just by watching it, you assume something else had to have happened to her to have such distrust for this guy other than just it can't be the first person she's really had uh interaction with since all this has taken place definitely i mean that's part of her backstory and that's one of the big revelations that we get about her is that uh she does experience an abusive relationship before 
uh, with someone that she deeply, deeply trusted, uh, someone who had her trust and someone who betrayed that trust. So in my, in my understanding of the character, she's aware that even, even, even someone who was the closest to her, even someone who, who was her, her lover or her best friend was able to do her so much wrong why would she trust this guy that she's only met for a day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you ever read uh, I Am Legend? I know there's been several movies, but have you ever read the, the book? Because I get a similar vibe uh, to your movie, The History of Monsters. Which, uh, what's, the, what's the movie? Uh, I Am Legend. Well, really more so the book oh, than I either of the movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've only seen the, the Will Smith movie, but uh, there was definitely that movie came up when we were making it. Um, uh, I Am Legend was, uh, I think the, the, the device of the monsters is pretty similar because in theory, it's like, yeah, after sundown, all these monsters come out into the world and they make it impossible to live, right? So like the only way mm-hmm. to live is, um, is by hiding yourself and, and in, uh, inside during the night and then you get to come out during the day. Yeah, it's. It's it's a pretty similar narrative, although in this case we're concentrating less on the survival aspect of it and more mm-hmm. on more on the we wanted to concentrate more on the deep uh, ex, like subconscious experience of a of a woman that has to live alone in these circumstances and and what happens to both of these things that are extremely important to her, which is like her safety. She takes that extremely extremely serious and this desire for intimacy, right? Which is just human nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, everyone's environment really plays heavily on how uh, you interact with other people or, or how you behave, you know, in general. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think there's, and that's, and that's something that, uh, while we were doing research, I mean, this is for a, for a man to be writing and directing this movie, I had to start from a place of, humility and I had to start from a place of wanting to understand what it's like to live uh, to live and experience the world through the eyes of a woman I think there's there's uh, there's there's some elements in this movie that speak to the to the female experience everywhere I mean mm-hmm. to me it's no it's to me it's it's sort of it was an exercise in empathy almost you know Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I women live in a much more dangerous world than men, mm-hmm. and I think that's uh, that's something that is said very, very often. We often we often hear about that. We we we've come to understand that. I think as a society a little bit more. But when you get down to like exactly understanding what that means, uh, I think an exercise in empathy like this movie was to me at least was was very important. So. The monsters kind of represent how yeah. most women feel when they come out at night, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, for a guy walking through a parking lot at 3 a.m., the worst thing that can happen to you is, like, you get mugged, right? Mm-hmm. For a woman, the stakes are so much higher, and that has something to do with, with, uh, with the patriarchal aspects of our, of, our, of our society, you know? That has to do with the objectification of women through media, so I think there there was there's something very interesting about that environment that uh, is a metaphor for how a woman experiences 
mm-hmm. life, at least to my understanding, it's impossible for me to tell you how women experience life. But sure. in this, there's a sense of empathy. I think that's, that's what we're trying to achieve and trying to represent. Mm-hmm. Is that why the monsters are exposed to? Because it adds, you know, it's right in your face and it's like, uh, you know, not only they're dangerous or, you know, where they could kill you, but they're, they're dangerous here. You know, they, they have their own weapon of, uh, you know, a sexual weapon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that was, a, that was a very conscious choice. You know, it's, it's because that this fear is not only, uh, a fear of, uh, being hurt physically, but there's, there's also a much deeper fear, you know, and, and I think, to my to my opinion, whenever whenever you see that as the audience, uh, that cuts straight down to your subconscious. You know, you see this naked monster, and you feel a different type of danger, which is different from it's different from watching the monster from a quiet place, which is just like a, a big monster, right? Or the monster mm-hmm. from Stranger Things, which is just scary in a very physical way. This is much, at least I see it as a much more similar uh, lives in the world of Alien, for instance, that has like heavy, heavy subliminal sexual uh, references, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. To me, that's, that's, that's the kind of fear that, again, I, in this exercise of empathy, I believe women experience. Mm-hmm. Who did the, uh, the makeup for the monster itself? Because it, it is very creepy looking. So the uh, the team that worked uh, in the in the makeup was was led by two by two very very special artists. Uh, her names are Ashley Stansbury and Alexandra Bailey. So they 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 led this team. Uh, they they designed the monsters. Uh, we worked together in, in kind of finding what it would be. To, to represent them in a, to represent all the aspects that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were great at uh, like bringing all these ideas to life. Uh, it, was, it was a pleasure working with them, especially because, I mean, we didn't have the budget to, to do what we did. And, and, and they were great into finding their own teams, into making, making the, uh, the resources very efficient. I think the the end result is extremely scary, and I'm I'm very grateful to them. They did a great great job. Yeah, yeah, I thought they came out great. Where, where did you uh, film it? So this was all in, in LA. Mm-hmm. We we got a place up in uh, Altadena that is called Sorkin Ranch. Uh, I don't know I don't I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a it's mm-hmm. a very old artist commune community, mm-hmm. and we got the. Um, we got the cabin up there, and then we we filmed the forest stuff up in Topanga. So it's all fairly close, but one of the things I love about this film is that it doesn't feel like it's Los Angeles, you know? No. Uh, it feels like somewhere that it's uh, more remote. It's much more. Uh, it's much more wet. It's much more something that could be like closer to Seattle or cl- closer to Colorado, uh, and. And I, I mean that's that was our the work of our producer Talia Stern. She did a she did an amazing job finding these locations within the restrictions of having to shoot in a lake. Yeah, um, since uh, uh, History Monsters, it is just uh, two human characters. Uh, how did you go about casting them? 
So we, we did we did work with a casting director. Her name is Erika Sobel. Uh, she's uh, she used to be an actress, um, and she's she's been doing casting directing for for a number of years. And she was the one who helped us find these uh, amazing actors, Valeria Gonzalez and Oscar Peña. Uh, it was it was a natural. It was a natural process before the movie was written entirely in English. And then when we found these two actors and then we, we suddenly realized that both actors spoke Spanish, uh, the, uh, the Spanish elements in the movie kind of just uh, appeared organically, you know, which mm-hmm. is like a very interesting, a very interesting element. Uh, so Erika helped us find these actors. She did a, pre, a pre-cast and she, she, she did an open call and she received many, many uh, uh, um, requests. And we saw maybe 10, 15 guys, 10, 15 actresses. And the, the, the real trick there was not just finding a good actor that could make you feel something or that could, that could honestly represent these characters, but someone... Uh, in the case for her, is someone who, who has to have this contradiction between someone who's extremely strong, but at the same time feels vulnerable in so many ways. You know, uh, yeah. that was very very difficult to find, uh, and it 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 should have been something that is layered, and it should be something that you can immediately see from an actress the minute she walks in the room, and that was the case with Valeria. Uh, mm-hmm. And for Oscar, that was extremely difficult as well because you have to, we had to find someone who could, someone who could be both attractive and dangerous at the same time. You know, it's like you look at him uh, and you, and, and, and there's something that should happen to you uh, uh, in like a physical attraction, but at the same time, there should be a, an inherent danger to a person, you know, that, and and not every actor can play that. It has to be it has to be someone very very specific, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to walk that fine line between. I I really I I would love to trust this person, but for some reason I can't, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the casting of the casting process was 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 difficult because we we needed to to find those particular elements in the actors. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Uh, not to give too much away from it, but it's left open. Uh, if she makes the right choice or not? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that that's a that's a big uh, point in the film, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's it's definitely an interesting conversation that arises after it because also the open ending allows you to to interpret whatever you want from the film, and mm-hmm. that's where where film is an interesting art form, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I believe in film, that film should portray or represent the world as it is and not as it should be. Mm-hmm. And that is like a, that is a, more like a, a, a filmmaking ethics or principle that, that I was, uh, that I have. Uh, so to me, given the characters, given the story, she didn't have any other choice, you know? And I think it's, it's kind of up to the audience like that, let's just not explain what that choice is. Let's people see the movie, yeah. right? But uh, 
to my understanding of the characters and to my understanding of the world, the real revelation of the people who are watching the movie is like, can you blame her? You know, it's like, okay, do you, do you feel like you can, like you can judge her for what she did or not, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the, I think that we, we achieved a good, we achieved a good, um, we we were able to walk that line because I don't think the movie judges the the character. It just shows you very clearly what happened and why it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it lets you make up your make up your mind, you know, and it allows you to have that conversation after the movie's over. Mm-hmm. And that to me is one of the one of the interesting things about the film. I can tell you what I think about it, but uh, after I don't think that that opinion really comes through in the film because eventually the film takes life of its own, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you watched it with an audience yet? Yeah, we did. We did a screening at the school at AFI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, we had a packed house. It was, it was really an amazing experience. There was a, a lot of the team, a lot of the crew was there. Uh, and yeah, like there, there was the same, what we were just talking about. Yeah. We had the same, exactly the same response from people, you know, like people would come out and, and would say like, Oh my God, this movie is so judgmental of guys or, or of men. And someone else would say like, Oh no, my God. Like I felt like she was so judged. Like you're judging the character, the Mm -hmm. female character. And some other people would say like, no, but that's, that's the only, that's the only way out that she could get because of what happened to her. And, and there was an interesting conversation that happened after the movie, you know, like people would come up to me and would like begin talking about what what it means or who are the monsters, who is really the monster, you know, like I love that I love that ambiguity in which mm-hmm. people based on their own they have to they have to be very active as an audience to kind of decide uh what is the history of monsters, you know, who are the monsters? Uh mm-hmm. is she a monster, is he a monster? Are the are, are 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 the monsters outside just a physical presence? Like I think there's there's so much to unpack and and I think there's there in that debate there's the interesting there's the interesting film about the interesting thing about film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I would think that has to make you feel great that it would spark a conversation uh, through your film. You know, I think that's what art in general should do. I agree. I mean, I don't know if you read the uh, if you read what Scorsese just said about uh, like his retaliation letter in the mm-hmm. New York Times, and he he spoke about uh, film losing the sense of mystery or film uh, losing the sense of uh, of um, of uh, of uh, bravery or losing a sense of uh, of being not a safe place, you know, like mm-hmm. film has become cinema has become an extremely safe place because uh, things like uh, movies are shaped towards people understanding them better. And it almost feels like a films have lost mystery and have lost its ability to make people not feel safe. And they have, they're, they're constantly just, just, uh, movies where people are 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 capable of understanding everything, and I don't know if the the films that I like at least mm-hmm. are the ones that make you feel safe. I love the films that take the rug under you, and and basically 
at least in horror films, uh, they don't even let you grab onto reality, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think if there's something interesting about making a film in which the audience has to put in so much of themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's why, uh, you know, he produced uh, Joker, and I think that's why it's uh, really hit people, because uh, it does spark conversation with people. Uh, you know, is it people pro pro Joker, against Joker? Uh, they see it as an anti-liberal movie. Some people see it as an anti-conservative movie. And it, 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 it has that feeling where it's not a safe movie. It's, uh, you know, it's it's it it's uh, something that sparks debate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Joker Joker is a film that takes so many chances. You know, mm-hmm. it's very brave in a lot of ways, uh, and it's very brave in a lot of ways. And it takes so many so many shots of being. Uh, incorrect or maybe misunderstood in what it's trying to say, you know. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, it's in, in a lot of ways it's it's a movie that condemns society in a way, but at the same time it romanticizes violence, you know. And there's mm-hmm. there's such a there's a there's a line there, but it's a movie about violence. So how can you make a movie uh, that is about violence without violence, you know? So there's, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I mean, Joker is is a narrated movie. And it made, dude, it made so much money. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think no one really expected for that movie to be so successful because they they have this misconception that people want to go see movies that are safe or people want to go see movies that make them feel good. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's, I think audiences are much more smart, are much smarter than than what a focus group allows you to allows mm-hmm. you to um, to to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what made you want to be uh, become a filmmaker? What were some of the movies that you know you watch? That, like, this is something I would like to do. Well, I've um, I, I, I've I've been watching films my whole life. Like uh, mm-hmm. ever since I could remember, movies have been such a big part of my life. Uh, since I was three years old, four years old, I remember going to the movies with my, with my mom and my brother. And that was like one of the, one of the most fun I could have. Uh, but I remember I didn't really begun to understand the, 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 how smart films could be until I really, until I watched like for the first movie that I watched, that I really felt like there was an intellectual element that was so powerful to it. I remember watching the matrix that was, uh, it was really like my, my awakening into like what was the potential of a film, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in its politics, in its uh, intellectual level, in its uh, in how how much fun that could be, and and into how much it could reveal uh, a particular perspective of the world from Agastya, and that was like the mainstream. And then after after I started researching, then I, I when I after I discovered. Uh, I discovered M. Night Shyamalan, and at least he's one of the he's one of the the big figures in my mind as to how to do horror, mm-hmm. or how to do horror in order to in order to say something, you know, in order mm-hmm. to express a truth. Um, then I remember first discovering Stanley Kubrick and how uh, how high the language of film could could fly, really, you know. Mm-hmm. And and how much of a a perfect like to me all all, all of Kubrick films are perfect form 
of filmmaking, you know, and when I discovered that, I, I realized that there's so much more to film than what we see on, on, on screens every day. And that's, that's at least what gets me excited, you know, that's mm-hmm. the kind of film that I realized I, I wanted to aspire to do. So that's, that's my, it's, it's him, it's Paul Thomas Anderson as well. It's been such a great influence to me. Uh, Sofia Coppola, I also love. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, there's this element about the uh, the the directors, the writer directors that are able to to combine both the spectacle and the and the attraction to the audience and have their own artistic uh, perspective. Those are mm-hmm. the films that, to me, are the are the best ones. Yeah. Well, you, well, you said there about M. Night Shyamalan, I, I agree with. Like, um, I always think the best uh, genre films, science fiction or horror, are really about, you know, something socially relevant or politically relevant, you know, but hidden within uh, the context of a horror movie or science fiction. And uh, but along those lines, is it ever hard? Because you don't want to go too far with that. You don't want to, like, hit the uh, beat people over the head with, like, a, a political message. Um just because I think that's not great storytelling. So is, is that ever hard when you were like writing the history of monsters uh, to get your message across, but also keep it that it still is, you know, a movie. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the hardest part, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I think that the writing has to be, to me, it's the hardest part of the process. Um, I think directing is so much fun. Like I don't, I don't directing is, is demanding physically, but it's not that, I don't think it's that hard. I think the writing process is the the most challenging. And it's the most challenging because that's when you make the decisions of what kind of movie you're making. And and it's difficult to maintain that balance, you know? It's difficult mm-hmm. to, no one really tells you how to convey certain messages, you know? Like how to, how to make a movie about something. So you kind of have to, uh, try to understand the story and try to try to make that that one story say something. Otherwise, you might as well just write an essay, you know. Right. So you want to write a story that has implications that would lead people to think several things, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are symbolical elements in the film that you think might suggest several uh, several uh, ideas, you know, like what you were saying about the monsters being naked. Does that suggesting something of a sexual connotation and you and you're you're asking people to read those things and to connect them inside your story right but that's that's a very hard thing to do especially because i mean when you're when you're reading the the script of the history of monsters and you read about these monsters they don't have that sexual connotation that they do have up on the screen you know so it's you kind of have to trust your vision in that sense too and trust your decisions on how you're going to shoot certain things or or what you're going to do with certain things that you're writing but it's it's very it's very difficult to achieve that balance and just to tell a good story and and ultimately what you want to do is you want to communicate to an audience right mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that the things that you're writing make sense to that audience or the audiences are or, or, or are are able to engage emotionally with your movie or are able to understand with clarity what it's trying to be conveyed. You know, I think that's, because it's not just a movie for you. So it, it's, it doesn't matter if you can understand it 
at least I believe in filmmaking that makes an effort towards people understanding it as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, will you be at AFI Fest for, for the screening of the History of Monsters? Yes, I'll be there. Oh, very Definitely. cool. Yeah. So have you ever been to AFI Fest before? Uh, I mean, I've been to a couple of screenings uh, in the past two years since I since mm-hmm. I was an AFI fellow for the past two years. Uh, it's a it's a great it's a great festival. I mean, I really love it. And now it's it's one of the biggest festivals that we have here in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what do you think the benefits are of festivals in general? Well, I think the festivals are they have they they set they serve several purposes in, on several different levels, right? Mm-hmm. On when you're talking about a, a, a filmmaker that is starting to build a career, festivals are the ones who give you the chance to show your work uh, to an audience, show your short films. Uh, they allow you to make connections with people who are working in the industry. Uh, they, they basically, festivals are the ones who offer a path for younger filmmakers or for younger generations to make their way through to the industry or through an industry uh, in a, in a, they lay down that path for you, right? So like a festival mm-hmm. one is basically you going out to different festivals and getting your name out there, getting your movie out there and getting people to know about your work. I think in terms of, in terms of, an audience perspective, a festival usually brings you movies that you wouldn't find on cinema, you know, or like it brings you, uh, it, it, it brings you even before the, uh, the main theaters, it brings you the movies that are going to be, are going to be playing in the future or that are bringing buzz to, towards like award season. Or so in terms of like how how a festival works with an audience, it's 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 uh, it's a great opportunity to see films that you wouldn't see any other any other way on a big screen. You know, also it's the only chance that you get to see short films on a big screen. Mm-hmm. And whenever the, a festival is good, it curates that that content, right? Mm-hmm. And I suspect that also when you're when you're a producer or you're working in in the industry already. Festivals are a great way to meet new talent, right? Because at least in in our industry, we know that that's always rotating. There's always there's always there's always someone looking for the next big thing, right? And and the world is full of um, undiscovered talent, right? There's so many people. The, the the next Paul Thomas Anderson is out there somewhere, you know. The mm-hmm. next. Uh, uh, Taika Waititi, you know, it's like they're all out there, mm-hmm. and festivals are the ones who who allow you to to get to know these 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 guys, these these women, these uh, artists. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Jojo Rabbit, excellent movie. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I want to go. Oh, see it. yeah, I loved it. So, uh, where can uh, people follow you uh, to see what 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 you're up to next, and where you know they could see History of Monsters, and hopefully, you know. Uh, follow, you know, it becoming a feature eventually. So I, well, I'm on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram if you if you go by the name that you that you said. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and I have a, I have a website. I mean, if you if you search for the history of monsters on Google on IMDb, 
they'll take you to my name and, and I, have a, I have a website where I have some, some of my, my previous work. Um, and I'll have to check some of that out. Yeah, uh, there's, uh, I, have my, I have my website. It's uh, jpadiasmunoz.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram as well. Uh, have my IMDb. Um, yeah, I'm working on the future of the history of monsters right now. We're, we're developing it. We're developing several different uh, TV shows as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm writing the future of Hombre, which, I'm, which is like my previous short film that I mentioned that um, mm -hmm. I'm working on hopefully, hopefully shooting sometime soon. Oh, very cool. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to go and check out some of your other work because I really dug uh, the history of monsters. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I appreciate coming on today. It was really cool to talk with you, and hope people come out to the AFI Fest to see the History of Monsters next week, November 16th. Yes, I hope I hope people can make it to to the movie. There's gonna be it's gonna be the History of Monsters as well as other other short films from from AFI that are that are mm -hmm. are, are very very good or top quality for sure. So it's it's definitely a, a guarantee. Uh, two hours of very good filmmaking. Yeah, I've uh, been lucky to see a bunch of them, uh, you know, for these interviews, and uh, all of them so far have been great. All the uh, all the shorts I've seen and the features. I didn't get to see too many features, but a couple of them that I saw were great. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's a lot of great artists coming from coming from AFI. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Well, I appreciate this, and uh, I'd love to talk to you again sometime. Oh yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to the uh, to the interview. Cool. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Bye. Right. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.